Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Monday, October 7th, 2019. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the long-awaited Pan-Amazon Synod has finally begun in the Vatican. For the next three weeks, a select group of Novus Ordo cardinals, bishops, priests, and laity together with indigenous of Amazonia, will be talking, discerning, and reflecting about anything other than Catholicism. During his sermon for the opening Novus Ordo worship service yesterday, Francis got his sheeple on track for accepting a deluge of novelty in the next three weeks. He said, quote, If everything continues as it was, if we spend our days content that this is the way things have always been done, then the gift vanishes, smothered by the ashes of fear and concern for defending the status quo. Unquote. Later on, he recommended prudence, stating, quote, Prudence is not indecision. It is not a defensive attitude. It is the virtue of the pastor who, in order to serve with wisdom, is able to discern, to be receptive to the newness of the Spirit. Rekindling our gift in the fire of the Spirit is the opposite of letting things take their course without doing anything. Fidelity to the newness of the Spirit is a grace that we must ask for in prayer. May the Spirit who makes all things new give us his own daring prudence. May he inspire our synod to renew the paths of the church in Amazonia so that the fire of mission will continue to burn. Unquote. So here we see the usual tactic. Load up the minds of the hearers with all kinds of ambiguous metaphors. Open them up to being receptive of all kinds of outrageous new junk claiming it is the work, the newness of the Holy Ghost. That's worked well for them in the past, and it's probably going to work this time as well. Now, it'll probably come as a shock to most listeners, but Francis did not quote Pope St. Pius X, to whom he is supposedly so devoted on the issue of newness. Maybe that's because in his 1907 encyclical Pascendi, Pius X wrote, quote, Far, far from the clergy be the love of novelty, unquote. So, no god of surprises for St. Pius X. Good thing we've got the Frankster now, huh? At today's opening of the Synod's first blather session, Francis gave an off-the-cuff address and basically made the Synod into a new source of divine revelation. He said, quote, A Synod is to walk together under the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Synod's principal actor. Please let us not chase him out of the hall. Consultations were held. They were discussed in the Episcopal Conferences in the Pre-Synodal Council. An instrumentum laboris was elaborated that, as you know, is a martyr text, destined to be destroyed, because it is the starting point for what the Spirit is going to do in us. And now we walk under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now we have to let the Holy Spirit express himself in this assembly to express himself among us, to express himself with us, through us, and to express himself despite us, despite our resistances, that it's normal for them to exist because the life of a Christian is like this, unquote. 
Now, I don't know about you, but somehow I have the feeling that that spirit that's been declared the protagonist of this assembly is probably not going to tell them that what needs to be done is return to the Catholicism of 1958 and before, dismantle Vatican II, bring back the traditional Latin Mass, suppress the Novus Ordo service, go back to the Stations of the Cross, and get rid of all the enculturation junk they're into. Want to bet? I guarantee it. That is not what their spirit is going to tell them. And of course, there you can see that all this talk about discernment and listening and, and whatnot is all just rhetoric to make people docile to accepting all the stuff that's long been planned in advance. Now, they may not be able to get away with everything they've planned, and so they'll probably gauge what kind of resistance they're encountering and then decide how far they can push the envelope. Um, that's what it seems like happened at the Synods on the Family in 2014 and 15. They got more resistance than they expected, and so they had to scale things back a bit. And then at the end, Francis presented himself as uh, the great guarantor of orthodoxy that is keeping all these crazy liberals in check. But of course, we know how that story ultimately ended, right? Two words, Amoris Laetitia. Yeah, and so I think that a similar thing is going to happen here. By October 27th, they'll produce a long, boring final document. And no matter how bad it is, the excuse will be, hey, don't worry, this is not a magisterial document, which is true. This is just a recommendation that the bishops are giving Francis. And then based on that final document, Francis will write his post-senatal exhortation, and that will then be magisterial. And I have a feeling that this next one is going to make Amoris Laetitia look like sacred scripture by comparison. Maybe the title will be Idololatriae Gaudium, or something like that. We'll see. During his speech today, Francis also noted that he was saddened to hear that someone had complained about how at yesterday's worship service at St. Peter's, the gifts were brought up by indigenous Amazonians, one of whom was wearing a feather headdress. And Francis said, quote, What difference does it make if he wears feathers or a beretta? Unquote. Yeah, well, as long as it's not a Saturno hat, right? As someone on Twitter pointed out. Folks, the next three weeks are going to be fun. I hope you have enough popcorn in the pantry because... If this is how it starts, I can't imagine how it will end. The official general relator of the Synod is the Brazilian Cardinal Claudio Humes, who went straight for the jugular today in his opening address. Armed with enough metaphors to last for the rest of the month, Humes said, quote, The church cannot remain inactive within her own closed circle, focused on herself, surrounded by protective walls, and even less can she look nostalgically to the past. The church needs to throw open her doors, knock down the walls surrounding her, and build bridges, going out into the world and setting out on the path of history. In these times of momentous changes, the church must always walk next to everyone, and especially those living on the margins of humankind. An outgoing church. Why outgoing? so as to turn on the lights and warm the hearts of those who help people, communities, countries, 
and all humankind to discover the meaning of life and of history. These lights are above all the announcement of the person of Jesus Christ, dead and risen, and of his kingdom, as is the practice of mercy as well as charity and solidarity above all towards the poor, those who suffer, the forgotten and the marginalized in today's world such as migrants and indigenous peoples." Unquote. And then he began to lecture everyone on tradition. Quote, it is moving forward that makes the church loyal to its true tradition. Traditionalism, which remains linked to the past, is one thing, but true tradition, which is the church's living history, is something else, though, which every generation, accepting what has been handed down by previous generations, such as understanding and experiencing faith in Jesus Christ, enriches this tradition in current times with their own experience and understanding of faith in Jesus Christ." Unquote. Yeah, actually, that's not how it is. It's actually the other way around. Tradition is supposed to enrich people's experience in the current time and not people's experience of the current time enriched tradition. But see, the fundamental error in all of this is one of the bedrocks of modernist theology, and that is the idea that the lived experience of human beings is a source of divine revelation. That is at the root of it all, and it is modernist. The modernist starts with man and draws a conclusion about God. The Catholic, by contrast, starts with God and draws a conclusion about man. Pope Pius XII once gave a great example of how the new theology that was beginning to emerge in his day was turning the Catholic theological method on its head. The neo-modernists were trying to argue, um, if I remember correctly, that God does not require celibacy of those who have been abandoned by their spouses because celibacy is impossible for most and God does not require the impossible. That was their argument. Well, Pius XII refuted that by pointing out that it was actually the other way around. God does not require the impossible. That is true. But God does require celibacy of such people, and therefore, such celibacy is possible. See, divine revelation comes from the top down. It doesn't go from the bottom up. You don't begin a listening process to ask people how they feel about celibacy, for example, and then conclude that it's not God's will. You consult sacred scripture and sacred tradition to see what God requires and then teach that to the people. So what these modernists are doing here is they're preaching a bottoms-up theology. It's church from below, as it's been called, and they couldn't be more right. It is from below, from very far below, if you know what I mean. Whom has also appealed to this idea of Christ bringing eternal newness, and there too you can see how they're distorting the truth. Yes, Christ makes all things new. See 2 Corinthians 5.17, for instance. But what does that mean? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you can cook up all kinds of revolutionary concepts and practices and then say it's God's will because God is always new. Well, quite simply, God making all things new is a reference to regeneration in sanctifying grace. 
The old sinful man is dead, and the new man, redeemed and regenerated, lives in grace through faith, hope, and charity. We are no longer under the curse of original sin. The new Adam has freed us from it. But what these modernists in the Vatican have been doing is preach a new gospel, one that leaves behind the quote-unquote old gospel of Jesus Christ and instead introduces all kinds of anti-Christian aberrations under the perfidious guise of the newness of Christ. St. Paul wrote to St. Timothy, warning him of precisely such innovation. Quote, For there shall be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and will indeed turn away their hearing from the truth, but will be turned unto fables. Unquote. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And of course, we know what St. Paul said to the Galatians. Quote, if anyone preach to you a gospel besides that which you have received, let him be anathema. It's Galatians chapter 1, verse 9. So, when Humus says, quote, throughout the history of salvation, whenever God reveals himself, he brings newness, unquote, yes, that is true, but the point is that God no longer reveals himself in our day, and definitely not in your damnable Amazon Senate, you apostate. Public revelation ended with the death of the last apostle. To deny that is heresy. See Denzinger 2021, where the denial is condemned in St. Pius X's syllabus of modernist errors. What these people want is a new revelation, a post-Christian, post-Catholic revelation. If that's not evidence of a new religion, I don't know what is. And you know, we did already see a little bit of that Amazonian newness this past Friday in the Vatican Gardens. In case you didn't hear about it, there is video available of the whole thing where Francis is presiding over some kind of syncretistic ceremony in which indigenous Amazonians start dancing around a bunch of idols set up on the ground, and they shake their rattles and who knows what they're singing, and then they prostrate themselves on the ground all in a circle before this wooden idol that depicts a nude pregnant woman on her knees. It is an absolutely surreal and frightful scene. And Francis, of course, just stoically sits there and watches and, and then later blesses all the stuff they bring to him. If you haven't seen it, you definitely need to. Go to our blog at novosordowatch.org slash wire and uh, click on the post for October 4th entitled Golden Calf 2.0, Earth Goddess Worship in Vatican Gardens Ushers in Amazon Synod. Well, you know, all this can really be reconciled fairly easily with Vatican II theology. All you need to do is take the principles from the council and apply them to this Amazon stuff. For example, you could simply say that the true God subsists in the Holy Trinity, but is nevertheless also present, although imperfectly and not fully, in other deities. So there, that's doctrinal development in the Novus Ordo Church. All that would have to happen is for Francis to say it in some speech that'll give him the footnote he needs to insert it into his catechism. Right? 
and don't say, oh, this could never happen. We've seen a lot of those things that could never happen take place in the last six years. And how is it possible for them to happen? Because he is not actually the Pope. We've got a very helpful blog post up that will be continually updated throughout the next three weeks while the Senate is in session. It is loaded with links to all sorts of resources, um, news reports, commentary, videos, official documents, transcripts, and so forth about the Amazon Senate. So you can stay up to date on what is going on without having to get your hands dirty by sifting through all the modernist sewage yourself. Okay, so you can make that your one-stop resource for all things Amazon Senate. It'll be a long three weeks, I can guarantee you that. So now that the Amazon Senate is officially in session, I will leave you with four words. Welcome to the jungle. Tradcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tradcast.org. And if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.